You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: the roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I feel my temperature rising. Mm-hmm. Football fever is burning through to my soul. Yeah. Cats, 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 you're gonna set me on fire. Mm-hmm. My brain is flaming, but I know just where to go. Yeah. The season's kicking off, and the bill will be a rocking. And Bosco was a talking. Purple love, purple love, purple love, my school boy. Oh, just a hunk of purple love, and just a hunk of hunk of purple love, purple boy. Oh, just a hunk of my school boy, and the bone heads are talking purple love. Boom, the boys are back, and it's time for our second Friday Whip Around show of the season. We got a treat for you guys during cat chats. It is probably one of my favorite people who are employed inside the Veneer Family Football Complex. He is a coaching legend in the Kansas City area, and I guarantee he is soon to be a coaching legend all across college athletics i think he is one of the secret weapons in the offensive coaching staff for this team and a quarterback guru it is coach josh buford coach thank you for coming on i know it's short notice you're helping me out here a little bit how are things inside the veneer family football complex as you guys are getting ready for troy uh first off thanks for that intro i think you may think more highly of myself than i do um but uh, uh things are good you know it's a good time to be here um, you know, a lot of good things going on here, but, you know, we're trying to go day by day, week by week and make sure we're focused on the right things. So, but, but things are good. Our kids are, uh, are locked in. Um, you know, we've been preaching confidence and urgency and, uh, and they've taken that to heart. Um, and I, I think, I think things are, things are headed in the right direction in here. So. 
I think so. Uh, you know, with some of the offense, especially in Big 12 play last year, one of the leaders in the conference when it comes to points per drive, points per possession, and all those great points efficiency uh, numbers, offensive yards picked up, uh, you know, percentage of uh, allowed, all that stuff. And then that big performance last week versus uh, SEMA, who FCS team, yes, but they're going to be another FCS playoff team this year. Uh, how how fun is it to be amongst that staff that are cooking up these offensive game plans uh, with offensive co- uh, coordinator Colin Klein going into his second season? It's great. Um, you know, I think that we have a really good mix of personalities and uh, and ideas. And I think one of the things we have going on is that everyone in the room has a voice, um, you know, from our GAs to uh, to Clint Brown and I to all five of our position coaches. I think everybody has a voice and everybody knows they have a have a part. Um, you know, at the end of the day, Colin's the one that's calling the shots and, and has a lot of good ideas. But I think that we kind of challenge each other and everybody comes up with uh, with some things and some information and some field zones and some things like that. And, um, but, you know, there's some really bright offensive minds in there, um, you know, not just Colin, but, you know, Connor Riley is, um, I mean, he's phenomenal. Like he, he sees the whole thing. He's not just a, a guy that knows the stuff up front. Like he does a really good job understanding the whole picture. Um, I think last year for me, seeing the way that he saw things in game um, and the way that he was able to, make adjustments and get information is just, it was baffling to me. Um, cause it's, it's pretty special. Um, and then, you know, uh, coach Middleton has brought a kind of a new perspective to things and, and LaPac is, uh, I mean, the guy's literally a, a genius. Um, he's, he's brilliant in a lot of different ways. And, and then, you know, BA does a great job with our running backs and, uh, and, and all the things that go into that. So, it's a really good group. Um, and I think that, you know, we've had some consistency now with uh, the seven of us being there. We have two new GAs, but those guys have done a really good job too. But I, I think it's a group effort. And, you know, Colin's the one that calls the shots on Saturday, but I think everybody has a part day in and day out. And, and you know, having having the – having the um, – just being able to have a voice is important in there. And and that speaks a lot to Colin's leadership of the group too. So, cause I know, you know, I got here right when he took over. So just the way that he's kind of brought us together and the way that he handles everything and his leadership is certainly one of the reasons that we're able to do a lot of what we're able to do. Your background is with quarterbacks. We saw Will Howard do something that hasn't been done in the big 12 in the better part of a decade. And he did it all in the first half passing for two touchdowns, rushing, and getting a receiving touchdown as well. How, you know, uh, fulfilling and how fun was it to see him have that sort of game, uh, you know, going through everything he did at K-State and finally for the first time in his career, knowing he was going to be taking that first snap for a season opener, despite playing, you know, quite a bit in his K-State career. I think you hear a lot of our kids say it, um, and I know Will gets it, but he's an extension of, of Colin and, and of us, um, you know, he, he knows the whole thing because the offense is, has um, evolved, I guess, from the North Dakota state days, but it, it's the same offense just with some new wrinkles, some new, you know, we do, we do some different stuff now, but, but Will knows it in and out. Um, and, you know, he goes out there and, and plays fast because he knows it so well. Um, I mean, his football IQ is really, really, really high. Um, and I think that's something that we've been telling scouts as they come through, because we have a lot of kids right now that scouts are interested in, but his football IQ is really, really high. Um, you know, 
he's gonna he's gonna find things that are giving away um, pressures and things um, or coverage tendency stuff just because of the way he studies and he understands everything and he knows what Colin wants when a play is called. But, you know, that helps him be able to make some of the throws he made. You know, I think back to Baylor last year. I think back to the Big 12 championship. Like, he knows what's going on, and sometimes he knows, you know, what the defense is doing before maybe some of them do. Um, I know that's very cliche, but it's true. Like, he understands things really well. Um, And and it's the same thing I just said about Colin. And, And his confidence and his leadership kind of spreads to the rest of our guys because they're confident in him because he knows what's going on. Like he's not going out there unprepared. Like he spends a lot of time, you know, inside these walls and on his own um, studying who we're playing um, as well as understanding what we're doing. Um, and, And I think that's what makes him really, really good right now. And he'll continue to, you know, do things well. He's also really hard on himself, you know, like, even if he doesn't like a throw he made in practice, he's hard on himself um, and not in a negative way. Like, he just wants to do well, and he knows that this is his team. And I'm sure that helped through the summer, you know. Um, I When I got here and he was taking all the snaps in the spring because Adrian was not healthy, um, I think that's really when things started to slow down for him, from what I understand. But um, the dude understands football, and he loves football, um, and, and he's special because of that, you know. He's not just walking out there playing and you know just being a great athlete he just he's got a lot going on um inside the walls of his own head and and he understands things and um you know when the game starts slowing down you start to see people do a lot of special things um so he's a he's a good one um he's fun to be around um you know I love being able to potentially help him here and there but a lot of that is is his own hard work Definitely. And then uh, what's wild is he had that type of game and, and it's almost like K-State fans are like, oh, you know, th- that's just kind of what we expect from Will Howard because the guys so many fans were talking about at the quarterback position after last week was Avery Johnson. Um, ha- have have you ever seen a kid, you know, 18, 19 years old, first game coming in with that amount of composure uh, and, and just taking over, uh, you know, a third and fourth quarter like he did in his very first game in college play? Um. He's special. He really is special. Um, and a lot of that is, is Will Howard. Um, I mean, it just is like Will's taking Jake and Avery under his wing and you know what he knows he's trying to teach them. Um, and I think a lot of credit goes to Will. And I think that Will had Skyler and Will, you know, was side by side with Adrian. And I think he understands how much those guys helped him. And I'm, I'm telling you the quarterback room here at K-State right now is unbelievable. Like, Adrian Laura and Jacob Knuth are really good football players like they are. Um, I mean, we got five dudes that are pretty good and it's fun to be with them every day. Um, It's fun to watch them compete. It's fun to watch them um, grow from one another, including Will, you know, I mean, he's the seasoned veteran and he's the leader, but you know, he still grows from those other guys, but um, Avery special. Um, He, he just, he is, um, you know, from a God-given ability, he's very, very, very special. But I, I think, uh, I think you saw the excitement of our kids when he scored, and I think that says a lot about our program as a whole. Because um, Avery had a lot of pressure on him, you know, because of what you just said. But you know, he he's handled it really well. He came in here on day one in January and put his head down and has grinded. And um, he's a humble kid that wants to do well, and he's worked really hard to figure things out. The growth he made from spring ball practice one to 
yesterday, Wednesday before we play Troy in week two is is unbelievable. Um, you know, and, and Jake Rubley is is really good too. You know, he's he's about as smart as it as they come on the board in our room. Um, and he understands everything really well. I mean, we got three guys that could play. You know, um, and and that's exciting. And and like I said, four and five are are pretty good too. You know, like some of these guys could go other places and play right now. So, you know, Colin, uh, Colin and, and our staff, I guess, have, have put together a pretty special room and, you know, hopefully there's more and more guys that want to come play with, with these guys. Um, Cause you know, realistically, you never know who's going to be in that room, you know, next year or the year after that, but um, it, it's a special group. And I, I think a lot of that, a lot of the credit goes to Colin and a lot of the credit goes to Will Howard and those young guys are, are growing every day together. Um, you know, there's no, uh, there's no individual, you know, me, me, me thing going on, which is another credit to the way that this thing has been built by coach Kleiman and the way that Colin handles it day to day. So it's a, it's a special room. Like I, I think, uh, you know, taking advantage or, you know, seizing every day, you know, enjoying every moment with this group is uh, something that I, have reminded myself of regardless of how much sleep we get or how much we're grinding, trying to find a way to beat Troy, you know, it's, it's special to be around that group every day. And I, I, I enjoy it. I love being able to be a part of it. All right. We're going to get you out of here with a quick four pack of questions presented by Manhattan Brewing Company. Check out Manhattan Brewing Company for the official tailgate beer of the year, Townie Wheat. Uh, and Hey, shout out to coach Connor Riley. I think uh, the Condor triple IPA is on tap there soon. Um, you brought up Jacob Knuth. He wears number 21. Thumbs up or thumbs down on quarterbacks wearing a number in the 20s? Oh, man. Uh, that's tough. So Jacob's in a weird scenario because of when he got here. So that, we didn't have any lowers left. And obviously 11 is not available at K-State. And that was the only one down there that even had a chance. So I don't think he would uh, – <laughs> I don't think he would like to wear that, but again, you know, none of our guys are super me guys. So, you know, he's, he's done what he's doing. Um, he gets to wear the opposing team's quarterback number every week anyway. So this week he has 18 on, I called him Will's little brother yesterday, um, <laughs> but uh, you know, Flutie did it, but I, uh, I'm going to go thumbs down. Unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. I, I remember Doug Flutie and uh, the, uh, the hefty lefty from Kentucky wore 20 something. Um, but I'm not and a Bernie Kozar was in the 20s. There you go. I, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'll go thumbs down, I guess. Ah, that, that breaks my heart, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, if you if you had to get in a car and drive from Maine to San Diego, California with one person uh on the football staff, who are you going with? Uh it's Colin. We're pretty close. Um, you know, the airport being close here has been way more of a deal than any of us had suspected, but uh you know, there was a trip that I had to randomly take him to Kansas City um, once this spring. Rental cars were hard to find. Flights were hard to mess with. So I had to take one for the team and drive to Kansas City with him. And uh, I, that was the fastest two-hour trip we've ever had. But we're we're really close. Um, you know, I'm, I'm thankful that he gave me an opportunity to be here. And uh, we're close. Our families are close. You know, uh, I anticipate that I would love to work with him for a long time because we're, uh, we're pretty close. So I would take him. I would say Riles is probably a close second though, because Coach Riley's uh he's he too is full of knowledge, not like LePac, but he's full of knowledge. <laughs> um and I, I like spending a lot of time with Coach Riley and I've known Coach Riley a long time too. So they would be different trips, but both would be entertaining. 
All right. If you could go out to eat, you know, uh, one place in Manhattan, no wait, you get in, enjoy it, you know, with your family. What restaurant are you choosing? I'm going to so long. That's my spot. I got to. What's your order? I got to go so long. What'd you say? What's your order when you go there? Because I'm a resist uh, temptation the, uh, guy. The, the resist temptation or the, um, man, I haven't been there in a while because I've been living here. You know, yeah, I mean, uh, it's, it's the, the one with season. the, uh, the <laughs> one with the uh, peppers on it, the one Ooh. that's like, uh, I think it's called South of the Border, actually. That's a good so one. You got to get, you got to go raspberry bean dip, um, you know, and or the queso. And then you got to go resist or the, uh, I think it's called South of the Border Burger with fries and some honey mustard. And I'm set. There you go. Great order. And then the final one for you. If you had to sing karaoke in front of the entire state of Kansas, oh, what song are you singing? Um, You know, that's a really tough question. Uh, I'm probably going to have to like take an Eric Church song just because I know I could get through it. Um, <laughs> or maybe like an old Garth Brooks song. I think I could get through that. I remember singing those on the bus as a high school kid going to a football and basketball game. So I don't have a specific answer. Um, that, that would be an interesting question for a lot of people here. LaPac's probably the only one that would like have one like that fast. So, uh, I, uh, I think I know the, the with... main guy himself, Chris Clemens, the only one to have not answered that question. We asked him that question three years ago in the office, or no, I guess four or five years. It was shortly after he was hired. We came into the office. We asked him that question. And he just looked at us, uh, me and the former co-host, and it looked like he wanted to kill us because he he wanted <laughs> to just talk football. He was all football. So I think you could take one of the popular church songs and I could get through it. It would probably not be pretty, but I could get through it. Well, there you go. That's all we have. I know you're getting ready to go to an offensive meeting. If you want to say anything to K-State fans or Boneheads, now is your time. This place is unbelievable. Um, you know, we tell kids all the time in recruiting how special this place is, and um, and I think we truly mean it, and it's because of uh, it's because of our fan base and how passionate they are. You know, sometimes you got to you gotta give us a little leeway, and uh, but, uh, you know, it really is special. Like, I don't think you realize it. You definitely realize it. But when you walk out there on Saturday and you see people filing in and then when you come out, you know, right before we start and you see all the people, it's uh, it's unbelievable. Um, You know, we're my, my family and I are thrilled to be in Manhattan. Um, My kids love it. My wife loves it. Um, You know, I love coming to work every day for Coach Kleiman and, and with CK. And, uh, you know, the people are what make this place so special. And, and we tell kids that in recruiting all the time, you know, the the people, the atmosphere, the family here are real and it's special. And, and that's, that's all you guys. So we really appreciate all your support and, uh, you know, just keep helping us. You see kids around, make sure you tell them that this is a special place. And, uh, and, and that goes beyond our football program. You know, Gene's done a really good job here. And, uh, you know, one of the basketball guys is my neighbor and, you know, I, I love the success they're having. And, uh, and I know that, you know, women's basketball and volleyball and baseball and the list goes on and on, like special things are going on here. And that's because of our fan base. So thank you to all of you guys and uh, keep up the great work, because at the end of the day, you guys make as much of a difference as, as any of us. So thank you. Hey, and thank you for coming on. And uh, this won't be the last time. So the next time you come on, you'll qualify for the recurring guest Bosco's Boys koozie. So, uh, you know, the next time I DM you, be like, hey, I want that koozie if I come on. So, Coach, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we'll, we'll be looking forward to seeing what the offense has cooked up for Troy. All right. Thank you, guys. Go Cats.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you to Josh Buford who came on for the cat chat. Uh, folks, uh, Brian LePac came up through the analyst program. I truly believe Josh Buford is going to be the next one who's promoted, whether it's at K-State or somewhere else. Uh, this man is going to be a massive asset for you know the next 20 to 30 years in the world of college football, so I'm glad we were able to get him on. Before we move into the K-State primer, uh, shout out to Manhattan Brewing Company. You, you heard me at the end of there, the Manhattan Brewing Company four-pack of questions. Get into Manhattan Brewing after the game, get the Bosco's Boys flight, championship run, towny wheat, Always Sunny Milkshake IPA, and of course, the Pumpkin Batch. It is the spot to be after the game, after that 11 a.m. game. Get a couple pints, take a couple four-packs and crowlers home. Manhattan Brewing Company, I promise you, your new favorite beer is waiting for you. It's on tap. Just go and find it. All right, so next for the Wildcat Primer, we got our main man, the good chef, Andre Napier. From Cocaine Willie. Uh, they, they do a great podcast. I think they're up to two, three times a week over there. Absolutely love Chef. And he's going to get you guys all set from the K-State perspective. And his primer. Coming up now. What's going on, boys and girls? It's your boy, the Chef. I'm back again. I'm doing one of these primers for the Bosco's boys. My boy Scott McFarland came and asked me, will you do the primer? I know last time it was kind of shit because you did the TCU primer, and we all know how that ended. But when he comes calling, I'm here to deliver, baby. So we're here to talk about that Troy game. That's what's up next on the docket, week two. We waited for football, and it's finally here, and it's flying by, man. Week two already. It's nuts. I don't even want to think about it. But we're here to talk about Troy, but we got to get SEMO out of the way first. What we end that game? 45-0. Another shutout for the Cats. The Cats' defense looking strong. I'd love to see that. 45, five away from that 50-burger, that Damn 50-burger. We cannot find it. I don't know why, but that's neither here nor there. My big takeaways from that game, the offense showed out. Will Howard still looks like an all-Big 12 quarterback. He looks very strong. He had one hiccup, but other than that, very, very solid game. I mean, we almost had a 300-yard passer. I mean, if Skylar Thompson did that or... 
Adrian Martinez did that, we would be losing our shit. But that is just another day in the park for Will Howard. Running game looks strong. DJ Giddens, my boy. DJ the Blue Jay? Giddens? Showing out. 15 carries, 125 yards. Treshawn Ward gets in the end zone. RJ Garcia looks like a number one receiver. Man, oh man. The offense looks sharp. And then you go to the defense, which was probably the biggest question mark going into the season. I would imagine so. They pitch a shutout. I mean, that's two straight years opening night we pitch a shutout. And the defense was solid last year. So I can only imagine that we're going to be on the same level that we were last year with another stingy defense. And we got to have it. You know, if you want to compete for Big 12 titles, you have to have a complete team. You can't expect to live shootout, outlive shootouts and, you know, go blow for blow with teams. You got to be able to step up on defense. That SEMO game all around, Chris Tennant did his thing on special teams, but that is what we were expecting week one in the books. But now we turn our pages to Troy. You know, my dad would say that's his alma mater. I got a special place in my heart for Troy. So I, I want to beat the dog shit out of him. But I don't know if it'll be that easy. There's a few keys that I'm looking forward to this game. I'm thinking, one, you got to you gotta limit the running attack for Troy. They got, they got the running back vital back there. He rushed for 250 last week. My God. That's another, that's back-to-back -back running backs that have incredible stats going into a game. And can we do the same thing that we did to Hess last week? That's that's something that I'm, I'm looking forward to. That's one of my keys to V. I'm going a little bit out of order, but don't tell Scott. My second key to V, offense. Can we keep the same pace? Because... We might not have Keegan Johnson for this game. He's day-to-day. -day. But can we show out without Keegan Johnson on the field again and a little bit of a step up in competition? We have to have production from the wide receivers. That's my second key to V. Production, production. Can R.J. Garcia replicate week one again? Can Jaden Jackson get in the end zone again? Ole Miss transfer, he showed out. That was a nice deep ball. And then Ben Sennett, that's our guy. He's our rock. He's going to keep doing our doing the thing. If, if Will Howard can sling that ball around again, I feel very confident in this game. So a couple of the players that I'm looking for on Saturday, man, I for offense, it's got to be Keegan. I want to see Keegan out there. But if it's not, if Keegan doesn't play... Let's just say it's precautionary again. Two weeks in a row precautionary with some soft tissue. I hate that soft tissue. But if it's not Keegan, that's my number one. My one B <laughs> would be... I want to see Carver Willis. That's who I'm keeping my eye on at right tackle. Was it a little sketch last week for Carver? You could say you could say that. Cooper slid right into right tackle when when 
shit hit the fan. Carver was a little shaky at the beginning, but I think we're going to give him another run at right tackle. Give him another opportunity. This is a good defensive line for Troy. So if Carver can step up, get those first game jitters out of the way, and be a solid right tackle, because Cooper is best inside at left guard, in my opinion. So if we can get solid production out of Carver Willis at right tackle, that would be massive going into Mizzou where we might get Duff back. I don't know. I have no insider knowledge on that, but I got a feeling that he might be pushing it to get back for that Missouri game. So my second player that I'm keeping an eye on, this is actually two, not one B. This is two. It's got to be Siegel. Marquis Siegel, he suspended week one. A little spooky. You know, you don't like to see suspensions. And they were so open about it. He's suspended, okay? We're not going to ask about it. Obviously, you're not going to tell us. But he suspended week one. And he got rave reviews coming out of fall. Can he actually put it together in a game? Step up in competition because he's coming up from the FCS level? That's who I'm keeping an eye out for. If he's our starting free safety, I want him to go out there and ball. Ball out, baby. Do it for me. Marquise the Seagull Seagull. God, I love that nickname. What a saucy nickname. I already gave you my keys to V, so I'm going to go into my score prediction for this Troy game. Man, let me tell you, I... I've been given the number around. I get it on my podcast, me and the Cocaine Willie podcast. I gave 41 to 20. Is that a lot of points given up to a Troy team? I know they scored 48 last week, but I think we can handle them. Maybe it's a late touchdown by Troy. I don't know. But a 21-point victory, I would say that's a successful day at the park. I think the spread's at, what, 16 right now? Not entirely sure, but... If we're getting a 21-point victory versus these dreaded G5 teams, I'm signing up for that right now, for sure. A super specific prediction. I bet you guys won't see this one coming, and I probably won't see it coming because it probably won't happen. But I got a feeling that we're going to run a fake punt. When's the last time K-State's ran a fake punt? I don't know, but I got a feeling. And it might be sparked, but I just watched the freaking Chiefs-Lions, and they're running fake punts inside their own 20. That's nuts. So maybe K-State gets the mojo, too, and we run a fake punt. Colin Klein's being a little tricky on offense. Maybe special teams Chili Davis? Special teams coach? Come on. Run a fake punt, for God's sakes. Let my specific my specific stat come to fruition. Uh, you know, signing off. Love you guys. I'm a bonehead through and through. I'll always be a bonehead. This was this was my platform. I love the Bosco's boys. I love Scott. I hate Grant, but you know he won't even listen to this. So who cares? But find me. On Twitter at Chef Andre Napier. Listen to the podcast, my podcast with Bob Trolls being Matt Fireball Mat- Marchesini. Come on, 
go listen to the Cocaine Willie podcast, man. Engage with us. We, you know, you hit us up. We'll talk back. We'll get we'll get the party going. Check out the Cocaine Willie podcast. And for that, I love you, boys, and go cats. Always love hearing from my guy, the good chef, Andre Napier. Top 10 bonehead. Absolutely love him. First ballot Hall of Famer. First ballot Hall of Fame uh, USPS guy as well. He always, uh, here's when I have complaints with my local mail guy. I need the chef to move on down here to Kansas and uh, fix the uh, mail in my neighborhood. Absolutely love him. Absolutely love the boys over at Cocaine Willie. Before we get over to uh, my new friends, the Troy Boys with a Z. That's right, the Troy Boys with a Z. They're going to talk about, uh, you know, the what? The the second longest active winning streak in FBS football, the Troy Trojans. Before we do, I want to give a shout-out to my friends over at Charlie Hustle, you guys know how much I love my K-State beef shirt. Uh, they launch, and this was across all all their colleges. So even if you're not lucky enough to have family or loved ones who love K-State, you might be able to get them a nice gift come the holiday season. Mm-hmm. They have their helmet uh, series, and the K-State one is that classic silver K-State helmet with the power cat, wildcats above it. On a lavender t-shirt. That's what I'm going to be rocking on Saturday. So get your own version of it. If you have a you know a friend. If you have a spouse. If you have some kids. If you have some friends who don't love K-State. Well guess what. I guarantee they have one of those helmet tees as well. Charlie Hustle. Local Kansas City company. I absolutely love them. The best officially licensed K-State gear. And some Kansas City icon stuff. Including that perfect t-shirt that is the kc heart shirt so without further ado let's get over to my new friends the troy boys to hear how things are going in the trojan camp All right, everybody, the Troy boys are so excited to have been invited, invited by Scott uh, to be on the Bosco Boys podcast ahead of the Troy and the state game coming up on Saturday. My name is Joe, one of the hosts of the Troy boys, and I'm here with my good friend, the wildest animal in the Trojan kingdom, the Birdman. How's it going, Birdman? What's up, Joe? I'm super excited to be here, man. This is, uh, is going to be a fun little short segment we get to do tonight. Absolutely. Uh, so just a, a little bit about the Troy boys. We're in our third season. We are the number one unofficial Troy football podcast in the United States and also in parts of Germany. Uh, so we are a very popular podcast um, and my mom likes it a lot. So uh, go ahead, please give us a listen. Uh, you know, the Bosco boys, so nice bird uh, for them to have us on. Um, you know, I know it did a couple things for them. One, they get to talk about Troy. I'm sure they're worried about finding Troy people. Um, two, you know, Troy has uh, an alum who's in the football, pro football hall of fame. 
uh, and Kansas State does not. Um, so, I mean, we're kind of, <laughs> you know, I'm sure it's nice for them to be able to hear what that's like. Um, and, uh, but, but, and the only real question I have for them is what's with the S on boys, on Bosco boys? Uh, oh, man. I mean, it should be a Z, right? I mean, I would, I would think so. I mean, I feel like, you know, if you are doing a podcast and you have the opportunity, opportunity to put a Z anywhere, I think it should be at least at the end of boys. Yeah. I mean, nobody is sitting around club Applebee's in Ozark, Alabama right now, bragging about having the coolest I rock S in town. Okay. <laughs> it's a Z it's a Z for a reason. Bosco boys. I mean, take your opportunity. This is your chance. Add that Z on there. You're going to be very hip and cool overnight. Uh, all right. Well, Scott was very kind to invite us on. Uh, let's try to get through these questions he has for us, Birdman. Uh, first, he's asking for a quick recap of the Stephen F. Austin game, which is perfect because oh, I don't think either you or I want to talk about it for very long anyway. Um, let me run through some bullet points, Bird, and then you just play shortstop. Pick up anything I miss. How about that? Got you. Uh, Kamani Vidal is an absolute beast. Uh, he wakes up every morning and eats nails for breakfast and then chooses violence. Um, both lines definitely need some work. Offensive, defensive line, uh, not great. Uh, four turnovers, that ain't it, Chief. Um, that was not good. Uh, we just we just don't play FCS schools well. I mean, I know we walked away with an 18-point win at the end of the night. Um, you know, Coach Summerall in his press conference uh, said that if he had repeated – in his press conference, what he had said at halftime, um, that it would have resulted in some FCC fines. Um, so mm. obviously coach got in there. Uh, but also in the press conference, he did say that we only called about five or six offensive plays throughout the entire game. Um, so I guess if we want, we can take some solace in the fact that uh, that was about as vanilla as we're going to see the Trojan offense. Uh, Bird, did I miss anything from the uh, near debacle down in Pike County on Saturday? I don't think so. I mean, this was a game that we started off really fast, and then we just all of a sudden hit the brakes. Uh, you know, I felt like we were really holding a lot to our chest, not trying to give up a lot. Um, you know, I'm not sure if it was just first game jitters or, you know, if we just we came out, got really cocky, and then we were like, oh, you know, and, you know, I, last week I was saying, you know, Stephen F. Austin is a football team, um, and that was all I had to say about it, and I think I really made him mad. So, I mean, they I, they were a good team, and they were a good game. I'm just really proud that our team was able to pull it out, but there was definitely some worry there. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, it is, just, it is what it is. That's football, man. Yeah, Bird, I would not be looking for a Christmas card this year from the Sawmill message board. You are not very popular <laughs> over there. Um, let's go on. Uh, he asked about our, our expectations for Troy this year. Um, and as soon as he was typing that out, little did he know that the good people over at troyfans.com began bracing themselves, uh, to try to deal with another quote unquote, lukewarm 10 and two take from the boys. Um, you know, in all seriousness, if they, we've seen anything over this start of the season, uh, the Sun Belt is just becoming more and more competitive. Um, and, you know, we have a lot of talent, um, but, you know, I, I think we have the best coach in our conference, uh, but we lost a lot of talent. Ray J. Johnson, Tez Johnson, K.J. Robertson, uh, and a young man named Carlton Marshall, who we all remember, um, you know, just pretending that we can just replace those guys um, at the drop of a hat. Um, I don't think that's actually doing us any good. Um, and it, it, you know, it makes me makes it difficult for me, at least, to agree with some of our fellow fans that, you know, for this year, 
it really has to be an undefeated season or bust. Um, you know, I think we've got a lot of hard work to do. I said 10 and two at the, the preview pod. Um, you know, I'm sticking there, but really I think people should, should kind of see anywhere north of eight wins as a successful season. What, what are your thoughts, Bert? No, I mean, dude, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, last season, you know, there was a lot of work we had to do still, and we had a great season and we got a lot of stuff together, but also we're not an unbeatable team. I mean, if that was the case, then, you know, you know, I don't want to bring it up, but like we wouldn't have let App State come back on us like they did. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, I, yeah, I, I think we need to be realistic. And I think that's what we as a podcast have tried to do. Like, you know, we've mentioned it several times already. We all want to go in there and be like, yeah, 14 and 0, Troy by 50 every game. But realistically, as you've said, the Sun Belt's getting more competitive. Football is getting more competitive and competitive. And, you know, and it's just one of those things that you can't replace raw talent. And sometimes, Raw talent like Carlton Marshall, Tess Johnson, KJ Robertson, Ray J. Johnson, all those boys that came in there and worked hard. Like you got guys that have to come up and they have to work hard to get to that level. And to quote any coach that has ever gone to a conference championship or a national championship, whatever, it's our rebuilding year. That's possibly what it could be. And but like you said, eight wins would be beautiful. And I would be very happy about that. So, you know, in summary, realistic expectations even though we might say things when we are a little inebriated so yeah well okay bird don't don't expect a christmas card from troyfans.com either now (laughs) um some big storylines for the week um you know troy is not unlike most campuses um the most popular kid on campus is the backup quarterback at times um we could spend a 45 minute episode, which I'm sure the good folks at Bosco boys would not appreciate. Um, but even with a six year super senior and Gunnar Watson, um, there's still a lot of that kind of energy around the program. Uh, Gunnar did make some critical errors against SFA um, and the cheers when goose Crowder, the young quarterback uh, in town came onto the field for the last drive. Um, they were hard not to notice. Um, if Gunner doesn't clean up some of those mistakes and, and at least have a solid performance, I'm not saying he's got to come out and, and get us a power five win all on his own. Um, but if he doesn't start to clean those things up, um, those calls will just continue, especially with those expectations that we were just talking about. Um, you know, nobody um, gives people more hope than a guy that they've never had to count on to win a game. Mm. Um, and that's who Goose Crowder is right now. And uh, so people are going to continue to hold him up. Uh, you know, could he be this better option? Uh, Bird, how about you? What do you see as the big storyline for us this week? Uh, man, I think there's a lot of speculation around whether TJ Jackson returns this week. Uh, the defensive line could certainly use the boost, and that uh, that would accompany the preseason conference defensive player of the year. Uh, Some said fans would have to wait until Saturday, but then flash a smile that many are thinking means that TJ will be suiting up against them. Uh, this weekend but you never know like I said we feel like Summerall's holding some stuff close to his chest I mean they got a target on their back they want to keep their weapons as concealed as possible until they're ready to let them loose so I I think that's going to be a big thing that Kansas State and Troy fans should be looking out for this week for sure Uh, so that leads us to the next one uh, players that Kansas State fans should watch watch out for Um, other than TJ we'll each give you one Um, on defense you've got to keep your eyes on Reddy Stewart 
Uh, I believe he's the best secondary player in the Sunbelt Conference. He's an absolute ball hawk, uh, and he can go into another gear when he gets his hand on the ball. Um, in order for us to be successful against Kansas State or anybody this year, we really need him out there in the secondary causing havoc. How about you, Bird? I mean, Kamani Vidal, Vidal, man, just like career day, looking to have a breakout season. You know, Joe, I think you can agree with me. He was kind of like he, – he stayed out of the spotlight last season. There was a lot going on, new coach, you know uh, – Carlton Marshall was really, uh, you know, making making history. So, like, that, there just wasn't a lot of time for him, even though he had a spectacular season. But to come out here on the first game and have a single-game rushing record with 248 yards, I mean, just unbelievable. So, I think we're going to continue to see that every week. Yeah, we certainly need to. Uh, the keys for Troy to win, um, you know, one is our offensive line has really got to gel. Um, and start providing some more time for Gunner and even bigger holes for Kamani on a consistent basis. You know, you beat bigger teams many times by jumping out early and then playing keep away, playing time of possession. Um, we will need our O-line to play much better if we want a chance to do that against Kansas State. Uh, Bird, what is your key for Troy to win? Uh, I, I, it's just going to be the same thing, man, just limit, limiting mistakes you know, turnovers, they're always going to be uh, the recipe for disaster when it comes to playing football. We had four turnovers against Stephen F. Austin, and that equals that equaled a very embarrassing second and third quarter. It's, that's when the brakes really got hit. Uh, but if we did four turnovers against Kansas State, I mean, dude, we're, that's going to be a long, quiet flight home. So we got to be careful with that. Uh, we just need to be more consistent. Um, and if we can just keep our sheet clean, it'll give the Trojans a puncher's chance. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, aren't this kind of a weird one? Keys for Kansas State to win. Um, I don't like this segment at all. Um, <laughs> you know, we don't, we don't really hand out advice to opposing teams uh, other than to encourage them to replace any S's in their podcast names with Z's. Um, I guess if I have to, you've been so kind to host us. Um, I'd say you got to find a way to limit Kamani Vidal um, and a couple other really talented guys in that running back room uh, and force Gunnar Watson uh, and his new friends in the wide receiver room uh, to beat you throwing the ball. Um, how about you, Bert? Oh, man. I would say keeping Will Howard in front of the sticks so he can use his wide arsenal of weapons against the mighty Trojan death machine. Uh, if the Cats allow our D-line to get penetration, it could force Will into a box and make him less effective. Yeah, that dude is an absolute, uh, you know, as the kids say these days, he is him. Yeah. Um, he had a, just a crazy game. Um, on Saturday, and and you are absolutely right. Um, you know, if, if he's able to go out there and plays play the kind of ball he wants to, um, that's going to spell trouble for our Trojans. All right, the time is here, Bird. They want a score prediction. Um, all the Troy boys picked the Cats to win in our season preview, much to the chagrin of our friends over at the world's finest message board, TroyFans.com. Um, I do think that it's closer than the experts think. I'm not picking Troy to win, but uh, I think we end somewhere in the neighborhood of Kansas State 32, Troy 24. Uh, how about you, Bird? Oh, man, you know, this, this is going to be a tough one because, you know, we go back to saying, you know, we want to watch for mistakes and you got to, you know, be more consistent. Uh, so in this game of football, it can go either way. I, I like your prediction of 32, 24. Um, you know, because if we can get our stuff together and maintain that consistency, I'm really seeing that be a, 
a, a very realistic score. Uh, but I'm going to go have to go a little lower, and I know I'm probably going to catch hate for this on the Troy fan side of things, but I'm looking at more of like a 32-14 uh, uh, score prediction there because I do think we're going to get some ex, uh, just, you know, field goals in there. I think we're just going to be doing what we can uh, if the offense can't maintain consistency. So, yeah, I'm going to go 32-14. How dare you? All right, uh, Bird, Bosco's boys have been so kind, um, and uh, they call their fans uh, Boneheads. So a big shout-out to Bonehead Nation uh, for letting the Troy boys come on and and bring our particular brand of nonsense to uh, your preview podcast. Um, You know, please give the Troy boys a listen. Uh, We're on Anchor. We're on Apple Podcast. Um, we're probably on like some old Tamagotchis that are in your parents' attic. You know, if you load those <laughs> up, I bet we're on there. Um, just wherever you get podcasts, search for the Troy boys. It's easy to find. There's not an S there is a Z, uh, Birdman shout it out. Yeah, man. Uh, and if you guys want to see more nonsense, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, also known as X. Now, uh, we are always posting stuff, always good banter. It is Troy boys podcast with a Z on the end of boys, Troy boys podcast on all platforms. Perfect, man. Hey, thanks again, uh, to you guys at Bosco's boys. Um, we really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to this game on Saturday and until Saturday, Troy boys say go Trojans and God bless your place. And thank you to the Troy boys for that great primer. I can't wait for the game. Uh, I think it's going to be a good one. I keep going back and forth whether or not K-State's going to cover. But it's going to be a great test. I can't wait for it. Uh, I'll say this. There's a lot of big-time games in the Big 12 this week. There are rivalry games. There are games that are going to, I think, set the stage for the balance of the season. We have a few teams that are, uh, quite frankly, trying to rebound from a horrible week one. Uh, And everyone in the world is focusing in on Texas versus Alabama, but I don't care about them. I hate them. No. That's not where our game of the week is going. Our game of the week is going to West Texas as the Red Raiders try to bounce back versus the Oregon Ducks. I'm going to kick it to the People's Champ and the Tortillas and Takes podcast to have them get you guys set for that Texas Tech versus Oregon game. What's up, everybody? This is Jeremy Gillen with the Tortillas and Takes podcast, part of the wonderful and illustrious 1012 network. Scott has invited us on to preview the game of the week. That is Texas Tech versus Oregon in Lubbock, Texas, 6 p.m. kickoff. Um, The line is currently right under a touchdown at 6.5 Oregon's way. Now, a little bit of context about this game. Don't have a lot of time. Really don't need a lot of time. Um, as you guys are probably familiar, Texas Tech came into the season with a lot of expectation, with a lot of hope. We saw a lot of conversation around 
is Texas Tech the dark horse to win the Big 12? And it was not unwarranted, right? You take the logo away, you look at Texas Tech season last last year, a, a meteoric rise for Joey McGuire in his first year as a head coach in the Division One uh, Division One college football level. Um, coming out to a strong record, getting monumental wins against teams like Texas and Oklahoma, um, ignoring the quality of either of those teams at the time, doing something Texas Tech has not done in over a decade, beating both Texas and Oklahoma in the same season, then capping off that season with a strong bowl game appearance against Ole Miss, winning that as well. Um, You return a majority of your players from last season, add a couple of strong players from the transfer portal and you get yourself a top 25 um not right right outside the top 25 for this season perfectly positioned perfectly poised to go into the season and be a contender for the big 12 that's the mission for joey mcguire i think it's the mission for this team and you go out against week one against wyoming and laramie wyoming and you lay an egg right um briefly texas tech got out to a 17 and 0 start really hot to trot defense was humming as well but between kind of an unimaginative playbook as well as defensive penalties back to back to back to back, um, Wyoming was able to kind of crawl their way back into the game, force uh, two overtimes, and ultimately send Texas Tech packing um, with what would what would be their either 12th or 13th consecutive um, loss, oh, season opening loss, when you're not playing in Lubbock. So Texas Tech's still not a good road team. The good news is, is that Oregon is coming to Lubbock. So that's what we're going to talk about this game. It's going to be kind of the game of the week. Now, Oregon having a, a much different experience in their first, their opening week where they opened up as a 48-point favorite against um, Portland State or something like that, and they nearly doubled it, right? They, they nearly got to that double mark, uh, finishing at 81 points. I mean, absolutely rickroll Portland State now eyes firmly set on Texas Tech. Here's a couple of key players for the game, for the matchup that I, I you should be paying attention to when it comes down to it. 6 p.m. Saturday night. It's not going to be watching anything else. Nobody cares about Texas or Alabama. So, um, for the Texas Tech Red Raiders, obviously it starts with quarterback Tyler Shuck. Heartbreaking loss, obviously. Week one, Tyler Shuck has a lot of criticism on his shoulders right now with the way he handled that game. Um, he had one true mistake of the game one turnover it was an interception in the second quarter that turned up into seven points for wyoming and ultimately in my opinion kind of shifted the momentum wyoming's way and, and you know culminated in their victory definitely weighing heavy on his shoulder but he still threw for over 300 yards three touchdowns and when he was on he was on so it's going to be a question of how he and the offensive coordinator zach kitley Adjust from that game, get more creative, uh, more imaginative. On the defensive end of things, you got to be looking out for linebacker Josiah Pierre. Josiah Pierre is becoming a leader on this defense in 2023, right? He had 14 tackles in that first game, 10 on his own. Um, and while Jacob Rodriguez just went out for four to six weeks, he was in our will linebacker spot. Josiah Pierre is going to be moving towards that. And now we're going to be looking at how the defense is going to kind of adjust to as we dig deeper into that depth chart. So on the Oregon side, no bones about it, right? Quarterback Bo Nix is a Heisman. Um, he's on his Heisman campaign, right? Last year alone, I, he, he, well, excuse me, in this first game, he completed 23 of 27 for 287 yards, three touchdowns, right? Kind of a similar game as Tyler Shuck, much different outcome. And so what we're looking at is how does Bo Nix play away from home in this highly touted season against a team that he's not familiar with, 
and in a stadium that he's never played at before. And then on the defensive side, we're going to be looking at Jordan Birch, who's spent three, you know, not so great seasons in South Carolina. He hit the transfer portal, and now uh, as a former five-star prospect back in 2020, he is becoming uh, the elite elite defensive end for this team. They're already talking about him in kind of the NFL draft boards. You know, 6'6", 290 pounds. He only got three tackles last week, but it's going to be a monumental opportunity for him to kind of solidify his position on that defense as well as make a case for his NFL uh, career. Now, key as we're looking at this game, kind of from the 30,000-foot view, there's so much hype surrounding this Texas Tech team, and we fell flat on our face. No doubt about it. Um, this dark horse narrative has disappeared. Everybody is saying, oh, it's typical Tech. Right, typical Tech. We all got excited, and they fell apart. And I can't blame you, right? It's looking like another classic Texas Tech season. What is different about this Texas Tech team is that there's a lot of consistency from the coaching staff down to the players. There doesn't seem to be any inter, um, there's no inner team issues. There's no conflict. This is a team unified under the idea that they can win the Big 12. The problem is, is that they've lost against Wyoming, whether it was hubris or just a culmination of um, small issues. You got to bounce back against Oregon. Now, Oregon is no slouch. Oregon is looking to win the last Pac-12, um, win the last Pac-12 conference championship. They're looking to get a spot in the college football playoff, and ultimately, they're looking to win a national championship this year. They truly believe they can do that. Their fans believe they can do that. And with the way that they're playing right now, it's hard to believe that they can't do that. So, the Texas Tech defense is going to have a really hard time. I believe that. If we can get our fans and everybody to show out 60,000 strong, that makes for a tough environment. And uh, while we have had Heisman hopefuls come through in the past, they don't always play up to the Heisman hopeful um, level. So my hope is that we have a repeat of the Texas Tech-West Virginia game when Geno Smith was a Heisman hopeful, but Texas Tech, who had no business beating um, West Virginia, ended up beating West Virginia really poorly, or really bad, excuse me. So that's my hope. I don't really see that game kind of panning out the same way. <laughs> um, so as we look at this Texas Tech-Oregon um, team, the, the clash of the teams, Oregon knows it. Oregon has its identity, right? Texas Tech is still trying to figure out its identity. We were hoping that the Wyoming game would really establish that, but it left us with a lot more questions than it did answers. So we're looking ahead of this game, 6 p.m. kickoff. Um, I, like the, I like Texas Tech in the first two quarters. I do think that Oregon figures it out in the third and the fourth and kind of pulls away with it. So the Tortillas and Takes official prediction for this game is that Oregon wins and uh, beats the spread and wins probably a hefty 45 points um, to Texas Tech's 21. Or actually, I'll be kind. 45 to 24, Oregon wins in Lubbock. Texas Tech moves to 0-2 on the season. And, uh, yeah, here we are, another typical tech season. But thank you guys for listening. This is the Tortillas and Takes podcast. You can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, Spotify, Apple, Google, all those good places. Find us on Twitter. We're pretty funny sometimes, uh, but we're always giving the most realistic takes on Texas Tech. Not really a homer kind of squad. Uh, we just want to be honest and truthful with our fandom and, um, you know, have some criticism for the team. But you can find us on Twitter at Tortillas, the letter N, Takes. Tortillas and Takes or Twitter, X, whatever it is now. Who cares? Thank you guys uh, for listening. We want to thank Scott for being one of the best best damn podcasters in the land. And we hope that this football season continues to be fun and exciting. And as always, stay
stay wrecked, people. Big thank you to Jeremy, and I think I speak for all Big 12 fans. We're uh, hoping Tech can pull off the upset down in West Texas versus the Oregon Ducks. Truthfully, though, what a fun week of Big 12 football. We have all sorts of games uh, to look forward to. Uh, I know uh, I'll be rushing back to a TV after the K-State game. Uh, and, and I'll be, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to catch a couple games at Manhattan Brewing Company. Uh, and, and again, it, it starts early, 11 a.m. Uh, Oklahoma State, Arizona State, after dark, 9.30, I think, out in Arizona. A little bit of taste of Big 12 after dark. Getting ready to wrap up today, or uh, this week's Whip Around show. But before we do, I want to give one more shout-out to all the great sponsors, Manhattan Brewing Company, Charlie Hustle. Absolutely love both of them. You know I'll be drinking Manhattan Brewing Company and rocking Charlie Hustle on Saturday, and you guys should too. The finale of this whip around is going to be my guy, Connor Baltazor, uh, who is from the Aggieville Alley Cats, one half of my favorite duo in podcasting. So we'll go to him, then we're going to call it a day So I'll get ahead of it a little bit for Chauncey, the best dog in the world, for Josh Buford, for Connor Baltazor, for the good chef Andre Napier, for my guy Jeremy over at Tortillas and Takes, and for the Troy Boys podcast. We love you guys. Go Cats. Now here's my guy, Connor Baltazor. Scott for that introduction. As he said, I am Connor Baltazor of the Aggieville Alley Cats, and I'm here to bring you the Wildcat Roundup from this past week. So, only two major sports really going on other than football at the moment, and that's soccer and volleyball. And we'll go ahead and get started with soccer, who unfortunately didn't have a fantastic week after a pretty impressive start to the year. So, we'll go ahead and keep this mostly brief. In K-State soccer, they went on the road to Vanderbilt, and they hung around in that game really well all the way uh, through the second half, but unfortunately, the lone goal they conceded on the day was a penalty that they gave up in the 67th minute. They kept the shots fairly even. Shots on goal were five apiece. Uh, Fouls were even. Corners were pretty much even. Uh, All in all, this was a well-played game by K-State. They just weren't able to get the ball in the back of the net which is going to become a bit of a theme, or has at least seemed to be a bit of a theme over the last several matches. K-State has not scored a goal since August 24th at this point. So we're now through three straight matches, spoiler alert for the next one, uh, where K-State hasn't scored. So K-State drops on the road to Vanderbilt 1-0. But then they come home to face Nebraska, who has been having a really nice year. And... uh, just completely collapsed uh, at home, especially in the first half. Just a really, really, really tough showing from the K-State defense. Nebraska is an offensive onslaught as a team, and they scored four goals in the first half, winning four to nil. And they uh, just pretty much blitzed from the 15th through the 40th minute to score four goals. 
and uh, K-State unfortunately just was not able to do anything uh, to slow them down. Nebraska put up 30 shots in this game, 11 on target. K-State still got 14 up and 7 on target, but were not able to find the back of the net. Uh, just a very forgettable match for K-State soccer. Uh, one of their worst performances in a long time, and they unfortunately were unable to even make this look remotely close on the uh, the scoreboard. Uh, the this, this game was exactly as it appears on the uh, box score. So we'll go ahead and leave that behind. And now we can talk a little bit about volleyball, where they went one and one this past week, but there still was some um, pretty decent optimism about the team, some things to really like. And I was able to go to both of these matches as well, so I had a bit of a personal experience with them. Uh, K-State versus Omaha. Uh, that was a very fun match to attend, a sold out crowd, I believe, by capacity. They announced attendance at 3,044. I think capacity is 3,000. So a near or complete sellout. But K-State sweeps Omaha 3-0. All of the sets were fairly close with them being 25-21 and then the last two sets going 25-23 for K-State. And then five um, attack errors. Izzy Shorsesky looked really quality. Had uh, 25 sets. Uh, service ace and uh, six digs uh, she played a really fantastic match especially if you were watching live uh, she looked really really good and uh, high quality against this uh, Omaha squad now Shaley Myers added seven kills of her own Katie Fernholz uh, five kills no errors and uh, then Mackenzie Morris of course added 20 digs uh, on the back line she's just an absolute stud defensively so K-State Takes down Omaha 3-0. And uh, the crowd also was fantastic. Uh, Attendance-wise, is probably a little higher than it was in Bramlage. Maybe about the same. I'm not sure. But it feels like a lot more. Uh, just because of how compact the arena is. And also, K-State is doing a pretty good job of taking advantage of the new arena. And uh, putting students in a really good spot. They get mid-court. And so they're, they're right there. And they get excellent seats. And the, the noise is uh, really great as well. It's very loud in there. Uh, it's definitely worth catching a match if you are able to. Uh, it gets pretty loud in there at times. Uh, for only being 3,000 people, it definitely gets pretty loud. So it's definitely worth making the trip and seeing at least a game or two. Uh, unfortunately, the next match case they played was not as good. Uh, they dropped 3-0 to Nebraska, who moved to 5-0. K-State's first loss on the year. And it was their first... Uh, set loss since their very first set of the year against Portland State. Uh, they had gone uh, had 12 straight sets uh, without dropping a set. So K-State unfortunately does lose that streak. The first match was, uh, or first set I should say, was very close. 25-21, Nebraska was able to pull away. The second set was never really close. Nebraska wins 25-15. The third set was kind of back and forth a little bit. 25-19. The big issue here was K-State was just never really able to get consistent. They weren't able to string uh, anything together, really. They were just kind of able to get a point or two at a time, but they weren't ever able to rally. And that was ultimately what hurt K-State the most. Um, they did have a few people play pretty decently. Itzy Shulsevsky, again, was really quality. Uh, she's been a really welcome addition as a grad transfer. Um, and then beyond that, Mackenzie Morris, um, her usual solid self on defense, 12 digs, and then added uh, three sets. 
but other than that, um, a lot of kind of a pick your poison, not a lot of people really making the impact that we hoped for. Sydney Bolding did have several blocks and was really good defensively, um, at least on that front. But really, it was Aaliyah Carter, Izzy Shulsevsky, and Sydney Bolding who were the main players to write home about. And again, the crowd was fantastic for this game. There were some Nebraska fans there. They took up the section behind Nebraska's main bench. But beyond that, uh, it was a really rowdy K-State contingent. People were into it, and the students were into it. It was very loud. And all in all, it was definitely a worthwhile experience to go see it. So if you ever have the time to go see a volleyball match, then by all means, go and take the time before or after a K-State football game and try and go see one. Uh, because New Arena is super, super nice and is worth seeing. But that's all for this week's Wildcat Roundup. Thank you so much, Scott, again, for having me on. Again, I'm Connor Balthazor of the Aggieville Alley Cats. Have a great weekend, and go Cats! Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater, from sea to sea, onward UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight. Podcast Network.